Hello everyone and welcome to the second ever episode of our Businesses Built on Passion uh, podcast series and I am so excited to have Darren Caveney here with me from Comms 2.0. We're going to have a chat about Comms 2.0, where that's come from, where it's heading, but um, Darren, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you. And first off, thanks for the invitation. It's nice, nice to see you uh, across Zoom. <laughs> uh, yes, so I'm Dan Caveney. Uh, I'm a comms PR and marketing person man, for the past 25 years, would you believe? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of did a PR degree up in Leeds back in the day and uh, kind of ended up in kind of comms and PR roles. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years since. I'm also the creator of something called Comms 2.0 and I run a communications consultancy called Creative Communicators Limited. Brilliant. Thank you, Darren. And, and uh, our paths crossed, I think, oh, a fair few years ago in the NHS communications world. And you've since done some work with my team around digital and social media um, and uh, done quite a lot to support the communications network through NHS providers. So it's an absolute pleasure to um, have you on the show. So um, tell us a little bit about you and Comms 2.0 and a bit about your business. Yeah, thank you. Well, it started, I, I accidentally found myself as a, as a head of communications in local government. And, <laughs> accidentally. Um, yeah, well, like, technically, I'd gone in as a marketing manager, because marketing was more my background at that point. So I've been in private sector marketing and joined, joined local government and was, you know, bemused like most people joining the public sector. And why did we do it that way? Why aren't we doing this? Why, why do you do that? <laughs> and... Um, but actually in an organisation that was a little bit rubbish, but knew it was a little bit rubbish, but was full of great people, passionate people, and people that wanted to do better. And I thought, this is actually perfect. And it was pre-austerity as well, so there was a little bit of budget around, you could do things. <laughs> so yeah, we had the world's worst logo. I must write blog posts about this. It genuinely was the world's worst logo, and we had to change it. It wasn't one of those, oh, we need a new logo. Like we actually did need a new You really logo. did need one. <laughs> but the logo was much more than that. It actually represented the transformation that the organisation was going through from taking it from being actually a failing organisation to one that actually went on to do some really good things. And I think the logo kind of embodied that. And it, everybody got really passionate and excited about it. It was, and actually to this day, that's still one of my favourite projects. Um, and then, yeah, I, I did that for 10 years. And, um, and obviously then, you know, sort of went through kind of the fat years, as I call them, of having some budget. And then through the austerity years and the years of cuts and, and so forth. And then, yeah, I did, uh, I was a director of comms uh, in the West Midlands, uh, in the NHS for, for just short two years. Uh, but yeah, I kind of set up comms 2.0 nine years ago. And increasingly, it was where my passion lay and I just wanted to make it the day job. In truth, it didn't start out as a commercial thing. It started out uh, as really just an online learning platform because I felt there was a gap for where we could share good practice. And I think one of the things, and to this day I still love about the public sections, we can share good practice, we can share ideas, we can learn from each other. We're not, we're not bound by commercial issues and constraints. Uh, but I felt that there was a gap for somewhere where you could go and share good practice that we can all learn from. So hence the website came around, but then of course the website comes around. So 
we need a way of getting people to the website. So set up a Twitter account and uh, you know, it's kind of grown. And, and I remember it was probably easier to build communities on social, wasn't it, a few years ago than actually it is right now. There's, there's probably a little bit of fatigue with some around the social media, but um, yeah, it was, it just, it was a combination of, I suppose, me spotting a few opportunities, but actually also being asked if I could do some things. And, and it got to the point where I was taking annual leave with my boss's blessing to go and run consultancy and training for other organisations. <laughs> um, and then I think one year I literally didn't have any annual leave. All of my annual year leave was used to go and do some training for other people, which was great and brilliant. So it was a really nice way to bed in to try out, can I even do this stuff? But yeah, I've been asked by lots of agencies since, so how did you build that community? How did you commercialise things? And in truth, there wasn't really a plan. It wasn't meant to be a day job. It wasn't, it wasn't created to be commercial. It was built genuinely on kind of flying a flag for what you, know, you and I and others do. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I liked your point about um, when you work in the public sector, I think it's much easier to share. And I think we still with pride um, and permission, of course, but um, you know, that, that idea to have a space where people could share that learning and building that network is, is a really interesting one. So you've, you've talked a little bit about kind of growing its own legs and, and taking off and you wanting to do things that um, you, know, you were passionate about, but kind of where, where did the inspiration come from for, for Comms 2.0? Was it, was it just that organic kind of idea shaping or was there a moment where you were like, no, this is really what I want to do. I, I've actually still got my notebook with all my scribbled thoughts. Oh. And, and there's actually a little, um, I love mind maps. I'm a doodler, so I like doodling. And um, I did a little mind map around what I thought it needed to be. And, and it was almost, and I still think this is true, but I mean, I was really lucky because I did a PR degree at Leeds. It was the first PR degree course in the UK and I was in the second year at ever ran. And I was just fortunate that Anne Gregory was the head of course, you know, and she's yeah. PR royalty now, isn't she? And I just got lucky in that respect, I think. But the things that Anne and the others taught us on that course about comm strategy and being strategic and having smart objectives and being able to evaluate things and doing things that make a difference. We were being taught that, well, 28 years ago, so actually a lot of the stuff we talk about now, it's not new. The channels have changed and the way we reach people has changed. But the fundamentals for me are absolutely the same. And so Comms 2.0 is kind of taking the best of the old because I still think there's value in all of the stuff from back then. But blending it with the best of the new because clearly social media was going to change the way we were doing communications, you know. And I'm not an ex-journalist, so you know, I couldn't write a, press, a good press release to save my life, to be honest. I had people in the team who could do it. That wasn't where I saw the future. And so, yeah, so I started playing around with, you know, best of the old, best of the new. And I, I quite like, you know, a lot of the old 50s and 60s black and white photography and, you know, that whole kind of, that kind of American 60s look from the, you know, black and white shots. There's some brilliant stuff that, you know, obviously used a lot of it on the website. Um, so the look and feel was, was that, that kind of blending of the old, but also with the new and, and you know, I quite like black and white. As you can see in my background here, it's very black and white. It's very um, brand. It's very brand. In fact, I'm in a black top, aren't I? Look. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's kind of where it came from. Um, and I think increasingly people were asking, oh, could you come and do that for us? You know, and the comms world's a very small one, isn't it? Particularly public sector comms. And I think word gets around, doesn't it? And you know, there's a lot of engagement on social media, talking at events, doing some consultancy or some training. Word gets around. And then, yeah, it got to kind of 2014 and I was getting really kind of desperate to go and do it really. And it was only really, in truth, the mortgage that was stopping me, the fear of not being able to pay what was then, you know, an over-large mortgage that was a, a hangover from the Blair years when there was lots of money around. And when the Cameron years came in, of course, there was less money around, wasn't there? And austerity happened. And there was an absolute collar of public sector comms, and we've seen it, and it's kind of still with us now, isn't it? So, yeah, I suppose, and I think you're going to ask me this question, but the, what made final me... Final push, what was the final nudge, Darren? Oh, do you know what it was? This 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 sounds overdramatic, like I made it up, but... <laughs> um, I got asked to speak at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event by the Foreign Office, and I thought, oh yeah, this sounds cool, you know, full of secrecy, and yeah, of course, this sounds good. Then it kind of morphed into, actually, could you come and host it? It's actually an event for about 60 or 70 comms people. Yeah, this, this sounds good. Um, got chatting. It then suddenly dawned upon me that the event was overseas, and it was for the, I think I can share this, because it was a long time ago. It was for the uh, North Africa and Middle East comms team. Wow. Fascinating world, and it was, you know, talking, talking, at the time, you know, the big issues that they were dealing with was, you know, uh, the invasion of the Ukraine, um, ISIS, uh, Ebola, the kind of work they were working was was fascinating. And but it turned out the event was in Jordan. So, oh my gosh, I was actually a little bit scared because it was when at the time there was, you know, the headings in Syria, and I was, oh my god, this sounds quite scary. And I said, look, you're with the right people. But equally, you can't tell anyone, you can't tweet about this, so it's quite <laughs> But, you know, what an amazing team, what an amazing bunch of people. Um, and a brilliant opportunity. I felt quite honoured to be able to go work with them, actually. And all I kind of did was host it here. And, uh, and it was on the plane back, and came back on, the, on Friday, I think it was. And I thought, I've got to do this full time. This is what I want to do. And I just thought, you know what, it's now or never. You know, I was getting towards my, what, late 40s. I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I know I am one of those people that look back and I would kick myself. And I thought, well, I know I've got the work ethic. Uh, I think there's a network that will support this kind of work. And I think if it's done in the right way with the right values and continuing to fly a flag and still doing all the things that I do, still do for free, because what I didn't want to do was suddenly kind of monetize everything yeah. be that grubby salesperson like, <laughs> hey Carrie-Anne, how are you? It's like, oh no. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> never wanted to do that and touch wood to this day, I've never had to ask anybody for any work. <laughs> that could all change in 2021, of course. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I've been really lucky. I, I genuinely think I've been very lucky in kind of right place, right time. And, you know, a simple idea has, has ended up becoming the day job. 
but at some of that's about attitude as well though isn't it because you can be really lucky and in the right place and at the right time but if you haven't got the right outlook then you can't maximize those opportunities so there's definitely something I think about you know your outlook and your your attitude that's helped you be so successful so yeah no thank you and I think you know it's I think a lot of us comms people have that though don't we it's, it's like this you know you're doing this you know on your day off aren't you so it's in effect <laughs> You're doing things actually the same as I did. Uh, you're, you're doing it kind of you know, alongside, you know, a really busy day. You must have had your busiest year ever, but you're still managing to get your creative outlets and yeah. you know, doing other things on the side. And I think as comms people, we, we're quite good at doing. It. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you sort of touched on, I guess, well, you've touched on the biggest challenges of, of teams that you've worked with, which seem pretty big and pretty scary. Um, and you've touched a little bit on the fact that, you know, we're still in or in a place where there's austerity and things are, have sort of changed again this year. So um, what have been some of your biggest challenges? And I've kind of assumed some might be related to what this year has been like, but there, there probably might be others. Yeah, again, I think I've truthfully been quite lucky. So the, the, the consultancy I set up Creative Communicators five and a half years ago, and it's it's, it's grown year on year. Um, I've never wanted to turn it into a big agency and, you know, have, you know, lots of people. Your on, empire. On <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely not wanted to do that. The route I've gone is to work with, I'm really lucky because I know lots of other great comms associates that I've, you know, I've delivered things with. So, you know, for example, I didn't really know a great deal about podcasts, uh, but a pal of mine, Adrian Stira, used to work in radio. He knows all about this world. He said, how do you fancy doing a, a workshop around podcasts? I'm like, great, because actually I'll learn from it. <laughs> He's the brains, but maybe I've got a network that we can say, look, is this of interest to people? And, you know, we were starting to do quite a lot of those just before um, coronavirus hit. Um, so I think I've been really lucky to have a network of people I can call upon and and equally I think you know even even this year when I do get work requests if it's something I'm not very good at or there's somebody better to do it I'm very happy to to say oh you should speak to Andy because he's actually brilliant at media skills training um, or you know or you should speak to Fran because she's brilliant around building narratives so I've got a kind of pool of I don't like the word associates because it sounds very stuffy, doesn't it? <laughs> but a pool of like-minded comms freelancers who and 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 uh, are self-employed who who kind of have the same ethos and who I trust. And I could, you know, if you said to me, Darren, could you come and do some major skills training? I'd say, actually, I'd recommend Andy comes in because he's brilliant. Actually, he used to work with Sky and he'll do a much better job. And I've always been happy to do that. And I think then. Not, not the reason for doing it, but you do get a little bit of that back in return as well. And now I've forgotten what the question was. I've <laughs> well, I was about to go off on a tangent about values <laughs> and how important it is to align yourself with people that have got similar values set to you. And then that enables that collaboration, doesn't it? Which is yes. just an amazing feeling. And I do think communications professionals are collaborative by nature. I think we, you know, we're, we're less competitive and more about kind of ideas and creativity and much more open, I think, to saying, I'm not the best person for that job, but guess what? I know somebody who can do it. So I love that bit, but to get us back on track, because otherwise we could challenges. run on, I'm sure, forever. Yes, challenges. challenges. <laughs> 
So I suppose you've proved the business has grown year on year and it's got one of those you know, nice growth curves if you're into that kind of stuff. I should have a, I should have a graph, shouldn't I? Uh, Thank you. Behind me on my notice board. <laughs> um, but then if I did that, it would show the line dropping this year because it has gone down this year. And I think, I think we have to be honest about this. And I think there's two things. One, when lockdown happens uh, in March, I thought, hmm, how about setting up a little group of, of consultants and we kind of have a coffee chat once a week uh, just to cheer the fat, check in with each other, just support one another because actually there are lots of one man, one woman bands up and down the country that aren't going to be as busy as they were. And I think it's okay to admit that because if your job is a consultant to go and do on-site consultancy and training and workshop and events, you, your business has to have been hit this year. It has to have been so, you know, I've been quite honest and said, yeah, my, my, my work's down this year. Um, on the group, about there was about 35 people joined this group. Brilliant. Uh, but there's a, there's a hardcore of about 15, 12 or 15. And I thought, it would be one of those things that these things often do, don't they? But this week we had our 28th Monday lunchtime call. Oh, brilliant. And I've only missed two. And I think Paul Masterman, who's on the group, I think he's only missed two or three. Uh, and they're absolutely brilliant. In truth, we rarely talk about work. Uh, <laughs> about stuff, but we all need people to be able to check in with, don't we? And, you know, I think for all of us, you have good and bad days. You know, we're all really lucky. But there are people on that group that have set up their consultancies this year. Oh, and they have been struggling, of course, they've been struggling and sort of, I suppose part of our role for those that have been self-employed for longer is to say, look, you just got really unlucky. There would have been more work around, but I mean, you must know this, you know, you must have had a horrendous few months uh, in the eye of the storm where, you know, teams were so busy, they almost didn't know what help they needed. And certainly they didn't want to go off and do a day's training course because, it was all hands to the pump, 67 hour, 60 yeah. to 70 hour weeks. And, you know, I think that's 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 morphed a little bit now into people kind of got used to this. Doesn't mean it's good, but I think they got used to it. And I suppose then the other challenge is, you know, we, we kind of sat around watching the TV and Rishi Sunak said, we're going to put an arm around the country and, and we waited. And actually, not, not that we want this to be a political broadcast, but actually he hasn't supported uh, people like me and there's three million self-employed creative types freelancers who haven't got a penny since since lockdown um so that is difficult and so you have to recognize that but clearly i think as we said before we started recording that i think if if, if you can feed the kids and you've still got a roof over your head then be grateful and i think maybe that's not a bad thing that our expectations have changed a little bit so I'm quite ambitious, I like to push things, I like to do new things. And I think this this past eight months, probably a little bit of my creativity has been curtailed a bit mm. because I don't think just suddenly doing everything you used to do via Zoom or Teams is necessarily the answer. I think some of that clearly is, but replicating everything and just whacking it online and hoping you know, people turn up. I'm not sure that's what teams and individuals need right now. So. So it's been a little bit of watching and learning and seeing what emerges and um, you know, doing some online stuff, of course. But then, you know, I've been doing quite a bit of work to help a lot of the, um, lot of the, lot of the organisations that have struggled most during lockdown. 
you know, and helping with common strategies and helping them almost see the wood for the trees because it's always easy as an outsider to do that. I mean, you know this with your kind of outside hat looking in hat, don't you? Um, it is, you know, my job's easier than those teams in-house at the moment, it just is. So yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting year and that, probably the most challenging year, yeah. And so let's take it the other way because we could get into that whole, you know, it, it has been really challenging and we don't know what might lie ahead of us, I guess, as a nation, let alone as, as individuals. But um, you talk so passionately about comms 2.0. So what have been some of your greatest successes? What are you most proud of, Darren? So many. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still to this day love the thing. I, I love the bones of it um, because I think it gives me the chance. And the things that I love most are actually the things that don't earn me any income. So it is things like mentoring, it is things like going off and doing collaborations and things like comms unplugged with my pals Sally and Georgia. It is things like the other awards, which I still think are, are a thing of beauty. They're the most accessible industry awards around, I think. I would agree with you. I know you're biased, but I would agree. <laughs> so actually, all of that, the things that, and, and, and I've been lucky again because I've been quite, been able to be a little bit precious and do the things that I care about and do the things that I enjoy. So if somebody does ask me to come in and start writing press releases, then I'm not the person to do that. There's way better people than me. So I could if I had to, and I would if I had to. You know, it's not that I'm lazy. I, ha I do have a really big work ethic. I'll happily work, 60 I've always worked 67 hour, 70 hour weeks, that's normal. But when it's your own passion project, that's very different to doing it in-house for somebody else. It is completely different. And, you know, I guess others will might, might kind of might kind of agree with that and, and recognise that. And I think, yeah. So I think the mentoring's been really nice because I've kind of unofficially done it for about ten years now. And I did think about getting some qualifications around coaching. Um, the truth is, I'd be a terrible coach. <laughs> because with coaching, I, I was forced to have some leadership coaching once and I absolutely hated it. And I hated being forced into that self-reflection and thinking really deeply about things. I'm a very instinctive person. Yeah. I, I'll instantly know yes or no on something from, you know, I bought this house within 60 seconds of seeing it. I said, I'll have it. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to reflect. I, I don't have any problems making decisions. And again, touch wood. 95% of the time, I think I've made the right decision. Of course, we all get things wrong. Of course. Um, you know, we, 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 and you can learn from that. But I'm very instinctive. So I hated coaching. And, and I think I, the bit with mentoring is you can jump in and help. Yeah. which you obviously can't do with coaching. You've got to help the person find the answer. Yeah, get them on their Whereas, own steam. <laughs> maybe because I'm a big mouth, I'll jump in and say, oh, you should go speak to Carrie-Anne because she's doing some really great stuff there. So I think what I've been able to do is because I, I guess I know a lot of people in the public sector comms communities connect people, do it every week. Um, you know, I've, I've had two this week. Oh, we're looking for, we've got a vacancy. Do you know anyone that would be good for X and Y? And I'm, and I quite like. I like being able to connect people. Like, in essence, I like being able to help people. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. And you know, and I think you're in a lucky place if you can do that. And kind of the consultancy and the training and the workshops then is 
almost my day job to pay the bills and feed the kids. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, so what motivates you to keep going? You've talked about this year being a particularly tough one. So what is it that keeps you forging ahead with Coms 2.0? Yeah, I think I do. I have my dad's work ethic. You know, when we were we were poor kids in the seventies, my dad did three jobs. You know, so I always think back to that and think, you know, he would joke now and, and, and tell me I've never worked a day in my life. You know, he would <laughs> joke, but, you know, look at your hands, you've never worked for a living. Um, so again, I think I think I do have the work ethic. I'm still ambitious. I'm quite competitive in my own way. I like. I like to do things a bit differently. I like to try and, you know, like Comms Unplugged is a classic. We'd had an idea about three years previous about, wouldn't it be great to do an event with absolutely no technology, no distractions, in a field with good people um, and, and nice food and, and some great speakers and then maybe the speakers you don't normally see on the circuit. But of course, we never got it off the ground, and it was one of those things, and it kind of bugged a little bit. And then I've been chatting to Sally and Georgia at another event, and we said, well, why don't we just do it? If we just book it, we'll make it happen. So we, and this was the most, if, if we planned this, we would never have done it. There was no plan. We said, this is, and this is quite typical of me, which is funny because I am a very strategic person, but the passion projects don't tend to have plans. It's a gut instinct. Is this a good thing, yes or no? So from, from having the conversation about, yeah, let's just do it, to the first day of Comms Unplugged 2017, with 72 days start to finish. Oh my gosh, Darren. We, we booked a field in Dorset. We, we booked in some caterers. We booked some marquees. I remember someone saying to me, you won't lose any money on this, will you? And I'm thinking privately, actually, yeah, we could each lose a couple of thousand pounds on this. We're not kidding. But there was a risk, but we just knew it was such a... And we managed to break even in the first year. Oh, because it's a not-for-profit not thing, still to this day, we don't have to turn a profit. Yeah. And any, any excess funds we get, we just put into, you know, better catering. Yeah, you know, next one, um, yeah. And so I love that. And uh, and I said to Sally and Georgia, look, my only riders are, we have live music, so we've got that festival feel, and we have a proper coffee van in the field. And Sally's like, you know me, I can't work without a decent coffee. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. And Sally said, oh, we'll get one of those coffee urns. I said, no, no, no. I said, proper coffee, Sally. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I love <laughs> they that. My only they were my only riders, and we did it. So many brilliant things have come from that. Um, again, we had to cancel it this year because of yeah. all the things we've already talked about, but that'll be back next year. Um, so yeah, so I think the work ethic, it's trying different things, and uh, you know, I still love what I do, and I'm still really passionate about Comms 2.0, and you know, I've had an idea for, I don't know what you think about this actually, I've only shared this with Sally and Georgia so far, but... Well, I'm privileged now. Our listeners are going to be here. <laughs> I suppose I've encountered quite a few people this year who have encountered genuine hardship. And, you know, and in our own little way, we probably all do little things to help and support, don't we? And I've probably given more money to charity this year than, than any other year, which, which is ironic when, actually, this is my worst yearning year, probably mm. since I set up. If, I haven't checked that officially, but it probably will be. But I think 
COVID has made us all reflect on how lucky we are and what can we do to help other people. So I ran this past Sally in Georgia last week, but not to set, not to set up a charity as such, but to set, to set up a fund where there will be comms colleagues right now really struggling, whether they're in-house, whether they're freelancers, you know, and maybe we're all a bit too proud to say can we create something as an industry and with some sponsors and with the good people that we all work with to set up something where if there is someone that's genuinely struggling you know and i think last week brought it home with you know marcus rashford and the how do we feed hungry school children what there will be comms people in the similar situation and is there something we can do to help and maybe this is a call out to some of your listeners about what can we do collectively as an industry? I don't mean a charity, and I don't mean big bucks that's going to cover someone's salary. I mean enough money to pay the gas bill one month. I mean, I mean enough money to make sure that that person's having proper meals, that the kids are being fed. I'm talking relatively small sums of money because you know we're not a big corporate conglomerate. We're not Marcus Rashford with 1.2 million Twitter followers, but on our own terms in our own ways there's something we could and should do and i know there are a couple of things i know the cipr do something um for example but i think you have to be a member mm. I, I might be wrong on that so don't quote me but is there something over and above that we as an industry should and could do so i'm just throwing it out there really i don't have all the answers i'm in i'm in yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea i honestly think that's a brilliant idea and i think you're right though be people who are struggling and perhaps not had the opportunity or don't feel comfortable to say that they're struggling and you know I think even if I look at the profession from a healthcare point of view which is obviously my day job you know the the extreme of kind of bandings and salaries that people will be on and there'll be people that you know are living in house shares or whatever and you know struggling on a low income there'll be people with families I, I yeah I honestly and if I think what like government comms are going through at the moment with you know big consultation and potential for lots of people to be you know potentially out of work I think you know as an industry and a profession I think we probably owe it to each other to be able to do something to support people and I think that's a brilliant idea Darren so count yeah. cat's pyjamas in for whatever we can do to help because I think yeah so that's it. So I've, I've got you now. It's yeah. Cool. So yeah, I know. That was a good yeah. trick. Sneaky. You're, I know. But, and I haven't actually. I scribbled some notes about today because you kindly shared the questions, didn't you, in advance? I haven't. I haven't scribbled that down as something to say. But you know, I, was listening, I, love, I love James O'Brien. Um, Ten o'clock LBC each morning, and uh, he he talked about it's a few months ago now. But there's a statistic which I won't quote because I'll get it wrong. But the percentage of people who are only about three months away from being made homeless in the UK is quite staggering. And actually it can happen to any of us, can't it? What if we're taken in? What if what if you do lose your job and suddenly you find you're not able to suddenly earn as much and pay the bills? So yeah, I'm not talking about something big, something small scale, something that you know might be able to grow. And I think as an industry, we can all chip in and support and uh, and you know, hopefully, hopefully nobody needs it. But my gut feeling is that there will be people. And as you point out, particularly next year, you know, uh, who knows what twenty twenty one holds. But I think there will. I think it might, unfortunately, have a purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th I think it's an amazing idea, and I think you know, 
as a profession, communicators are uh, generally, I would say, quite nurturing people who always want to help. They look out for each other. They're very supportive network, particularly in, in the public sector, but I'm sure beyond. And I just think that feels like a cause that people could really get behind and it would benefit people within our own industry. Um, why would you not want to do it? So yeah, I think that would be brilliant. And I was going to ask you, what's next for Comms 2.0? But maybe this is what's next. It might be that. Well, guess what? I mean, it'd have to be black and white branding, obviously. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> when we did Comms Unplugged, Sally and Georgia were like, does it have to be black and white? It's like, no, let's do it. Let's do it bright. Let's go the opposite way. Um, yeah, it needs a name as well, doesn't it? It's to yeah. it needs to thought. Um, what's next? I've got, you know, the Unawards is a passion project. So normally for those that don't know, the Unawards is an event that it would have been the seventh annual Unawards next well, this December. And, you know, I thought long and hard, you know, this is an event that takes place just before Christmas in a cinema. You know, we have, a, we have an awards ceremony, we have a film that's secret to the day, we have a meal. It's very festive, it's very celebratory. It's about, it's not really even about the awards, it's about getting together and, you know, celebrating each other's work each year. Um, so can we do that on video this year? Well, technically, yeah, we could. Would it be the same? No. I thought, no, right. So I'm pushing it into 2021. Probably June is looking like the dice. May, June or July, but we'll go for June. Um, I've had an idea, which is potentially, um, I'm really excited about it. And, and something percolating but, here. <laughs> yeah, but it won't be cheap. And so I need about 10,000 pounds worth of sponsorship to make it happen. So I've been talking to sponsors and I've been having courses with them and all the sponsors are, this sounds amazing, we're in. <laughs> so I haven't quite got the 10,000 yet, but um, there's a pool of sponsors that have been behind the Unawards since day one, to be honest. So uh, we probably need a couple of, of new ones to, to make it fly, but I'm so excited if we can make it happen. And um, so I can't say too much about it because I mean- in the carrot now for yeah, us. Yeah, but next year, um, I'm so excited about it and, and you must, you must come. Maybe we could do a podcast special from the event itself. Yes, that would be amazing. And in my day job, there's definitely a few projects that I know my team want to put forward already. So they, they've already done the evaluation in anticipation that they can amazing. put their entries in. <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah, I think on that. So the day of the Unawards would have been the 11th of December. And actually, I'm still going to do the guest post of the year because Comms 2.0, there's over 1,500 blog posts on there now. It's huge. So each year we do a, a post of the year. So there are 10 people who will be up for that. So we're going to do a little Zoom uh, ceremony just, just for that. But that's a public vote. And that's one of the other aspects of the awards is that, you know, I, I, I don't judge anything. So I know too many people wouldn't be fair. And so things like post of the year, they're judged by the community, which, which I like. And so that'll be launching uh, early next month in November. And um, yeah, we'll still do the ceremony. So if you fancy it, it'll be a Friday morning. Brilliant. Um, we'll see who wins and we'll, 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 we'll find a way of making it fun as well. Brilliant, that's so fab. I'm so pleased that you've got all these great ideas and things that are still going to happen and the Unawards will be the biggest and best yet by the sounds of it. So that's really super exciting. It's, well, to be honest, I've thought 
I'm one of those people that I do get bored easily and I never want things to be same. And I have thought for a few years, oh, how about doing the awards differently? But the people that go, and there are some people that have been every single year, they've not missed one. People are like, don't touch it, you can't change it. It's our end of your kind of Christmas party. So I've always been a bit reluctant to change it. So this has forced the issue. So it's, it's been creative, but actually I think rather than COVID spoiling events, COVID actually has sparked something that I actually think it could be better. Brilliant. How have I sold it? <laughs> I, was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say there's got to be one positive from COVID. So if it's that the unawards are the best they've ever been, I'll take that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for um, sharing some of your morning with us, Darren. I feel like you're going to be a guest that we might invite back on um, next year when we make our pivot and we're even more focused on supporting um, comms people. And we're definitely up for, for helping you with your um, your new fund, your newfound cause, whatever it's going to become. I think that's um, that would be another really positive thing to come out of what's been quite a difficult year for for many communications professionals so um i'm going to say thank you for your constant inspiration energy um and dedication to the profession because it's an absolute delight to know you and um just to, to kind of see your journey and be inspired by you so thank you so much oh thank you um well thank you because i genuinely think i've got the easy job because well you're now in that place aren't you? you're doing all the creative stuff on the side and you've still got a massively busy day job and you know what public sector comms people and you know especially but not only nhs comms people and local government comms people this year have gone through i've seen some of it firsthand and you know i, I think some people, you know, have really struggled with it, you have to be honest, don't we? And it's been an incredibly tough year. And I'm so grateful for the work that you do and you know, all of your colleagues in the NHS. I was chatting to Ross Wigan yesterday, we both know, uh, up, up in the Northeast as a director of comms. And just listening to the stories, uh, you know, I, my dad's right, I have never done a day's work. <laughs> oh, bless when, when you hear about the genuine people on the front line doing an amazing job. So thank you for what you do and uh, it, it's, it is much appreciated. Oh, thank you so much. That was a nice little love-in at the end to finish oh, the podcast, wasn't it? Wasn't it? So <laughs> if people don't know about you and Comms 2.0, they will now, but how do they find out more? Where's the best place for them to go to find out more? So if you go to comms2.0.co.uk, and that's all spelled out, it's not numerical, and you know the reason why, don't you know? <laughs> I do. Um, and check out uh, on Twitter, the only really official social media channel is uh, at comms2.0 on Twitter. You can come and join 16,000 other comms pros having a chat every week. Oh, there's one other thing I forgot to mention. Come on, um, just today, been shortlisted for an award. Oh, how did Top you not three. mention that? I don't have, I'm, I'm rubbish at my own PR, that's why. Um, <laughs> that happens to all of us. <laughs> I know, I know. Comms 2.0, as just literally as we were just started the interview, I noticed. Uh, Bulio have launched some uh, new awards for best comms and PR industry influencer. So I think there's me and five others. So it's comms 2.0. I don't want to name them all because I can't I remember don't. Amanda Coleman's definitely one of them. Brilliant. She, she's brilliant. Um, Harriet Small is one of them. She's brilliant. 
they're both on the uh, consultants Monday group as well, coincidentally. Oh, there'll so, be a little bit of uh, friendly rivalry going on then, till the winners uh, announce. Well, uh, I'd, I'd be, do you know what though, I'd be really happy for one of them too, so wouldn't it, genuinely, because they're brilliant. Uh, Wads is on there as well, he's on there. I'm really sorry, because I only just saw the quick tweet just as we were coming on, I can't remember the other two, but... So that's nice. So I can celebrate the end of Sober October with a drink on Sunday night to celebrate. I love it. Oh, well, it is much deserved recognition and, you know, good luck to everyone. But obviously, well, good luck to all. Day, May so. the best man or woman win. <laughs> Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Darren. I'm sure we'll be inviting you back for a chat at some point again soon. And um, good luck with the awards. Oh, it's lovely to see you. You take care. You too. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye.